Hey, what's up? It's Avery here. Well, I guess who else would it be? It is my own show. <laughs> you see, my show is on platforms like iTunes and Spotify, and you may wonder, how do I get my show on these platforms? Well, I do it through an app called Anchor. It's free to download, and you can use it on your phone or on your laptop. And it also comes with creation tools that let you edit your show. You can also make that sweet moolah with your podcast with no minimum listenership. So, want to get started? Download the Anchor app on the Google Play Store or Apple's App Store. Or go to anchor.fm. It's that easy. Ladies and gentlemen, what is up, what is up, what is up? Welcome back to Avery Sports Show. And you know, in the summertime, it's becoming a tradition having in-studio guests. Over the past year or two, we've had Jen Scrivens, Cal Musica from CBC, and now, Brian Swain, I know for a long time, basketball writer, works for Basketball Alberta, National Basketball League Canada. He's been everywhere, and Brian, you're like a Bo Jackson of writing. You've done <laughs> so many sports. You've done basketball, you've done hockey, track. Like You've done so many sports at Edmonton. Blast having you on the podcast today, buddy. Oh, yeah. Hey, first time, long time. Or long time, first time, however you want to call it. But yeah, I've been, <laughs> been listening to you for a long time. And as you mentioned, we've known each other for, for a lot of years. So I'm glad to uh, to finally join you here. No, of course, of course. I mentioned, you know, you're a big hoops guy. You're a massive basketball guy working with National Basketball League Canada, freelance writing basketball. And i got to ask you, of course, I want to start with the NBA Finals and just the playoffs. How, on a scale of 1 to 10, in your mind, how boring were the playoffs beyond the NBA Finals this year? Because, man, that was just tough. Uh, to be honest, um, I've been a fan since the early 90s. I think the earliest I remember watching the playoffs uh, when I was a kid was probably 92 is my first memory and really got into it around 93, 94. So that's about 25 years. This is the most boring one I've ever seen. And I can say that now, like, we're about, we're a few weeks removed from from the playoffs ending now. And that was, it's it's still, I still stand by that comment. I'm pretty solid, solid. This is the worst, uh, the most boring playoffs ever. And, you know, the stats back it up. You, you look at uh, the average margin of victory over the course of the playoffs was more than 15 points a game. Yeah. There were, you know, I, I think in over the last uh, two rounds, so the, the three finals comprising the semis and the, and, and the NBA finals, two games decided by less than two points. Wow. Like, or sorry, <laughs> less than ten points. Um, so, I mean, you know, you think about some of the drama, even just the great NBA finals we've had in, in the past, where yeah. like every game is going down to the wire, and, you know, it was just, um, it's... That, I guess that's kind of the new reality with the super teams in the NBA. It is. Unfortunately, you know, you, you can have these super teams, though, but the fact that, yeah, you mentioned you had so many series that were 4-0, 4-1, wasn't fun watching. Like, you wanted someone to challenge Golden State or the Warriors, or Golden State or the, or the Cavs. You saw last year the Raptors push Cleveland to six games. You saw Golden State last year, you know, KC going to seven. I mean... And then the finals themselves, of Yeah, the finals, yeah. Golden State blowing the 3-1 lead. Like, and it wasn't fun. I mean, I love Golden State, but... You want some entertainment and seeing, and you want you don't want to want a five game series. You want some entertainment and just seeing Golden State run through your body wasn't fun. I think for me, Avery, the most disappointing thing was the fact that um, it wasn't just the games themselves that were not competitive, but as yeah. you alluded to, it was the series. Mm-hmm. The series weren't great either, and 
we'd all been uh, through the first three rounds of the playoffs as we were watching all these blowouts. We're like, you know what? It's all good because we're going to get the big payoff. Yes. The big collision course <laughs> we'd all been waiting for between Cleveland and Golden State. And when that ended up basically being a cakewalk for the Warriors too, mm-hmm. it's like, wow. Um, that's how that's how far ahead they are than everybody. But uh, on the positive side, there's been some. Uh, there's already been. I mean, we uh, you know some shakeups here. Yes, they have in been. the NBA offseason that maybe we've got a couple new players emerging that just might be able to uh, to give the the Dubs a run next year. Yeah, and we've seen now a great example. We see Minnesota. They have Zach Levine, Chicago. The Brain Dream Butler, and they have Butler, Wiggins, and and Anthony Towns. That could be a deadly threat. I mean. The Timberwolves haven't been a good team in a very long time, and if finally they can now shake things up. Now, I want to see Minnesota doing well in the West again. Oh, it would be great, wouldn't it? And especially for us, I mean, as uh, as proud Canadians, yes. uh, with uh, Andrew Wiggins repping there in the <laughs> Twin Cities. But um, yeah, I think I, I think to me, I think it would probably be fair to say that they underachieved a bit last year. Mm-hmm. Like with that level of talent and bringing in Coach Tibbs, you yep. think the pieces were in place for them to like um, maybe not make the playoffs, but at least show some major progress. Yeah. And at least if you look at the standings, there wasn't a lot of growth there. Now, it's tough in the West. West is deep. You know, it has been for years. But I I don't think they have any excuses now, especially bringing in a great veteran presence Mm -hmm. like Jimmy Butler, who not only addresses a lot of their deficiencies on court, but provides them. They didn't really have that veteran guy in the locker room before. No. And, and I mean, Jimmy Butler um, and Coach Tibbs obviously have a tremendous history, I think, I think Tibbs got got the the best of Jimmy Butler, um, and so you know uh, there there should we I, there's no reason to believe that won't happen. What what the magic they were able to create in Chicago that they can now create in Minnesota. Exactly, fully agree with that. Of course, you also have you're looking at the Western Conference, Houston. That's a team where that's gonna be a scary team that you have. I know it's two guards who want the ball. But I think they'll find a way to coexist with Chris Paul and James Harden in that Western, in that Houston offense. Mike D'Antoni will find a way to make it work. I think. I hope so. Yeah, I yeah I was I was actually curious to get your uh, your take on that because I mean those, these are two Chris Paul and and Harden are both ball dominant players. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I I I don't think if either one of them is selfish. And the fact, mm-hmm. I mean, Chris Paul is clearly clearly he's been known as not not a selfish player, and, right. and James Harden's kind of a tough dude to figure out. But he actively recruited Chris Paul. Yeah, like he went true. he went hard to get him to Houston. So I mean, he obviously wants to play along someone. So my only question is how effective? Um, I, I'm gonna guess. I don't know. You figure Chris Paul will have probably have have the ball the majority of the time now. Possibly, yeah. Yeah. Um, does that lessen or increase how effective Harden can be? Because Harden, I think the reason we finally saw him reach this MVP level this year is because, well, one thing is the system that Tony created yeah. around him. But the fact that he was just, you know, he, he, he was in on so many possessions. You know, mm-hmm. he was the guy that the entire offense was built around. And he was the guy who was bringing it up the floor all the time. Now if he goes, you know, if you take... You know, thirty, forty touches away from him a game. Uh, the Chris Paul's, you know, bringing it up every possession now or every second possession. Um, can Harden still be effective? I think mean, he can, though. I can get his shot's still there. You still, you still, you can still slash the basket. As long as you can get him to slash the hole, they'll still be a great team in the Western Conference. For sure, for sure. And so it'd be interesting to see. I like. I think I don't think there's going to be any personality issues with no, them gelling. I, I think it's just so. a matter of merging what they have on the court. And I mean. 
Um, you have a <laughs> his defense, and and I know this is a, as a longtime <laughs> Suns fan. Yeah, uh, Mike D'Antoni's defense at all it usually catches up with them the deeper they get into the mm-hmm. playoffs. But like, there's no reason to believe with with that kind of offensive firepower that he can't like squeeze you know like a 55, 60 win regular season yeah. out of them for sure. Yeah, no, yeah. You, you mentioned James Harden's defense. It's funny because um, during All Star Weekend last year, a friend of mine he was at um they had like this giant like All Star Weekend um like festival in uh, in uh, we call it in Toronto in one of, like their halls, and it was James Harden teaching a, def- a, cla- a class on uh, on all on ball defense. So my friend took a picture of this, or like a video of Harden teaching defense, and literally he got four thousand retweets, <laughs> and like all these all the crazy, crazy um, footage of Harden playing defense. He was like his phone blew up. Sure, the video of James Harden teaching defense in Toronto All Star Weekend last year. That is ago. that. That's like that's like you and I. I don't even know like teaching what like like a course on like how to be like a zookeeper or something like that, that's right? True. Uh, it's that's funny, but you know what I think. Um, I think his I I think his defense improved a lot this year. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is just focus. Um, like if you ever watch Inside the NBA, mm-hmm. like they put together some pretty spectacular clips last season with like the best of footage of of James Harden, and I mean a lot of it was him just like not even trying or not even focusing. <laughs> he would either just like go to sleep or just like let, let, let a guy run by him. I think he has the ability. It's just it's just the drive to be a it's decent true. defender. Exactly, because you can see like he cares about the offense. You know what? It will catch up with you eventually. But it's funny because how good that's a blessing to be that good. And yet, you and you can still be a 50 50 win team. Like, that's insane. Yeah. That yeah. you can really not care about defense, but if you want to win a title, you're going to have to care about some defense. You do want to be that team that takes the next step and can try and get past Golden State somehow. And we saw this in Antony's days with the Suns, and it was just almost impossible to translate. It was almost possible to have a team that constructed with those pieces to thrive in that kind of offensive mm-hmm. system. And at the same time, be strong defensively like it's but in the time since then we've kind of seen the Warriors sort of take what D'Antoni started with the seven seconds or less yep. three-point heavy offense perfected and at the same time be a very good defensive team like people don't give the Warriors I think they're starting to get in their due now mm-hmm. how good they are defensively yeah but I mean certainly by the uh by a lot of the um the analytics and, and the stats uh I mean you could see it just by watching them how good they are but the, the stats back it up now too so um you know it's on D'Antoni the new coach of the year right he's at the top of his game exactly so it's 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 on him now to figure out he's gonna have the pieces I mean, there's rumors now of, like, everybody from, like, Paul George to Mello to Dwayne Wade. Like, everyone's coming to Houston now, right? So, um, they could have, like, they could, they'll they'll have, it could be, I don't want to call it a super team yet. Mm-hmm. With just, you know, Harden and Paul, but, like, get one more guy. Right. And they're in that class. It's interesting now how the powers are shifting. Because I remember when the first super team started, it was Boston. And then shifted to Cleveland, now shifting all over all over the league now. So I wonder, maybe maybe one day that'll eventually shift to Toronto. Because who knows? Because I mean, the Raptors are a team now. Of course, they have an issue. They're an issue with Kyle Lowry, but I think that could happen one day where you could see it happen to in Toronto one day, hopefully. Well, and I mean, you were uh, you were at All Star Weekend last year, yes. right? With, and and which I thought was, and this is from the perspective of watching it from from you know from a distance here in Edmonton, but. Um, I thought Toronto just, like, knocked it out the park, and, like, they came oh, they off looking it. so good. 
um, that it would be hard to imagine anyone wouldn't want to play there, except from like I understand like it was just like weather wise it was an absolute oh my disaster. Gosh. So so having been there, like yeah. what what was the overall perception? Do you think that like of players who who would be free agents or someone who might want to consider there in the future? How how did they kind of what was their what do you think the overall impression was coming out of that? They didn't think it would be so American in a sense. Like they, they're the they're like the old uh, conception. They know oh Canada's four and Canada's have this that and the third. They saw that Canada and Toronto in 2015 has, you know, it has the, the modern malls, the modern clubs, the spots to eat, the park. Like they saw that, you know, Canada's not different. And I think that goes back to people who said that it's on the Raptors to do this, but I felt the NBA should have had a class years ago with draft picks saying, listen, some of you guys may end up in Toronto. Here's what Toronto is. Fantastic and, yeah. point. And, and to that... If they'd done that, and if they'd executed the whole thing differently mm-hmm. from day one, but that being like a major a major factor in it, do we still have the Grizzlies in Vancouver today? I think so. I honestly do think so, because there's a lot of guys who just didn't know what Vancouver was. They didn't realize that Minnesota was further north than Vancouver. I think they didn't understand that, you know, it wasn't as bad. That Chicago got worse winters than BC. Yeah. yeah. I think the NBA should have gone, yeah, from day one in 95. They should have said, you know, we're now an international base league. You know, teams beyond America's borders. Here's what it's about. Yeah. I believe that, yeah, David Stern, I mean, the interview, David Stern himself said that they let Vancouver down. They didn't do, they didn't um, do handle it properly. They did. I mean, they didn't, you look at all their, um, well, I'll use the term <laughs> stars loosely. Because, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, outside of Shri, they never had an all-star. No. Like, I mean, they had guys like Shreve Fadur, he mm-hmm. became an all-star after, the, after they'd yes. moved. Yes. Or after he was traded away, actually. Mm-hmm. But, like, I mean, like, you look at all their quote-unquote stars, Sharif, Big Country, all those guys. They were all guys that were drafted in. Yeah. You, you had guys that were, like, drafted there, like Steve Francis. Stevie Franchise. Didn't want to like, go. Didn't want to go. I mean, like, they couldn't even get guys in the door that they were basically obligated to play for them. Yeah. They were drafted them, so, like, much less attracting free agents. So, it's true. Um, yeah, when I saw the way Toronto came off last um, during the All-Star game last, last year, I just thought that, like, that was huge. I couldn't yeah. imagine why anyone wouldn't want to be a part of that city. And you look at, like, the factors, like, you know, Drake attached mm-hmm. to it. I mean, adds a little bit of, like, swag to just, like, exactly. like a coolness factor to it. It does. And seeing on, on the, in, in the NBA, seeing Shaq and Charles and Kenny saying, I will Toronto, best spot in the league to come to. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't see why not. Yeah. Why, why it couldn't happen. Um, you know, so hopefully one day. Hopefully, and of course, yeah, yeah. yeah and of course, in the Eastern Conference, this is the one. The storylines here in the East are so interesting because you have. I want to go to, to the Knicks because the New York Knicks have mm-hmm. been, well, I don't know. This past calendar year has just been beyond a gong show. Where do you start? Do you start with Charles Oakley? You start with Phil Jackson, Carmelo? The fact you want to trade Chris Stapps. Like, I don't understand what the Knicks are doing. I don't get it. Do the Knicks know what they're doing? <laughs> Clearly not. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're trying to explain it. I don't think they can explain it. Um, interesting timing, too, with the departure of Phil, because uh, he, if you look, like, he ran their draft mm-hmm. um, and drafted players. I think if you looked at who he picked up, he picked up guys fitting the triangle offense. Yes, he did. Well, the minute he's out the door, I think the triangle offense is, is effectively oh, dead, I, right? I agree. So, I mean, even whoever comes in now as a new GM, I mean, is kind of starting behind the eight ball in the sense that he probably would have drafted guys to get... Uh, you know, to fit his focus, whatever, mm-hmm. his philosophy, whatever that's going to be. At least they made, well, I'll say at least they made the change before free agency, but they don't, We, I mean, 
they don't have a, a new GM in place. And, no, you they know, don't. so who knows what the approach is going to be, and who knows? Um, <laughs> it's funny. I I was talking with a friend about this a couple of days ago, and we were saying, well, is the fact that um, the Knicks are actually going into you would think that the fact they're going into free agency without a GM would be like no one's going to want to go there because they yeah. don't know what the focus is, but. No GM is probably better than having a GM that nobody wants to play for, right? <laughs> it's true. You're right. So, yeah. Um, New York should be a destination. It's you, New York. It really should be. Apple. Greatest yeah. show in the world, right? Like, yeah, like 10 years ago it was. But all this dysfunction now, and I feel it's all thanks to James Dolan. Because James Dolan is the worst owner in basketball, hands down, I think. Yes. People want to say Michael because of, Michael because of the results with the Hornets. No, it's, it's James Dolan. Like if, oh, I, I agree 100%. Michael's yeah. made some missteps, but I think Michael's gotten better, actually. I yeah. think he's known to trust people around him, mm-hmm. maybe when to pull back a little bit. James Dolan, like, yeah, and that's the problem, right? So, okay, you got rid of Phil, mm-hmm. but if James Dolan is still there and he brings in the next dude, is just, just as the whole situation could be just as dysfunctional as exactly. it was with Phil. Like if you're Jeff Hornacek, what are you thinking right now? Oh like? man, I feel for, I feel for you know like as an old Suns player, and then I I, I was a Jazz fan growing up too, so he was part of the great runs That's there. Right. Was a coach with the Suns. Mm-hmm. Had you look at like he had to suffer through two disastrous seasons in Phoenix, and then goes right into this horrible situation in New York. <laughs> like is there is there a more sympathetic character in sports right now than Jeff Hornacek? Oh, he's got to be it. Like, yeah. that's just, like, he, he, you might find him funny breed somewhat now because he's trying to work with Phil and what Phil wanted. But it's like, it might, it's just so baffling. Because oh. the Knicks, yeah, this team should be a destination. They should be the future of Chris Porzingis, a 7-3 guy who is a new Dirk, who may be better than Dirk eventually. And no one wants to play with him. Get on yeah. the headache of a market or a franchise. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> just, it's, it, it's, I look at all the other sports, mm-hmm. um, and York, I mean, it's, to, I guess it's to mixed results, whether you have somebody like, say, the Yankees versus the Jets, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, <laughs> two different extremes, but they're able to attract, like, you know, people want to go be part of that. It's drive. true. And, you know, I mean, Madison Square Garden, the world's biggest, greatest arena, biggest yeah. stage, um, it's just uh, we we referenced Drake a couple minutes ago, providing that coolness factor. Exactly. Well, I mean, like you look around the crowd any night in New York. I mean, you know, it starts with Spike Lee at courtside and exactly. just like goes up all the first rows. It's like there's everybody's there. I mean, it's got it's got all that, and uh, I, I don't know, I don't know. It, it's crazy, man. It's uh, especially unbelievable to think about um, <laughs> that it's now almost 25 years since they had that, those Patrick Ewing, yeah. Pat Riley coached glory teams that were, you know, right there with the Bulls every year. It's true. We made a finals. We made two finals, 94-99. Like, they were they were good teams of Knicks. And now, and you know what I wonder, though? Here's one thing I wonder if you'd ever go back as Jeff Van Gundy. Would he ever try to go back to Knicks and try and rebuild that franchise? My question. I, You know what? I think that'd be a great choice. <laughs> I've, I've wondered about that, too, because he's, he's turned into... um. He's quite the quite the character, we'll say. Yes. On uh, on the broadcast, <laughs> but I think he he has some like really astute observations. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know if he'd ever want to get back into it, but if he did, uh, that's the other thing though too. Like, what coach is going to want to go work for James Dolan? True. Yeah, like mm-hmm. no, it's clear that he's he meddles. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I I felt that that release the team put out about Charles Oakley was so disrespectful and so reckless. And for all we know, it could have been written by Dolan himself. 
On it probably was. Yeah. I mean, there was probably, you know, it, it was whoever was, res- the, you know, the poor media relations person who mm-hmm. was all the responsible for putting it out there is probably sitting there shaking their head. But, you know, he's he strikes me as a guy who wants, who thinks he knows how to do everything and, and wants to do everything. And it's he like, doesn't. you just got to let people who know what to do, do what they do. And from a public relations standpoint, that could not have been handled any worse. No, it's true. It's clear the difference between someone who owns a basketball team just for their toy and someone who owns a basketball team because yeah. they, 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 actually, they actually love the game. It's clear Dolan just has it as a toy. You know, yeah, ooh, I can do a basketball team and, you know, control these guys. Yeah, no, yeah. That, that's, that's probably bang on. And um, I don't know, man. Like, I, I, don't, I really don't know if it's possible for the... Um, for the Knicks to to finally turn things around with him in control, like like I, I say, like so. you can take the GM out. You can take. I mean, I mean, if you want to, if the new GM decides that he wants to go with somebody other than Hornacek, and you yeah. can make trades and bring the pieces. But if it's, you know, if it starts top down, right? Yeah. In terms of just in sheer incompetence, it it reeks of Don Sterling <laughs> Clippers. It reeks of the Sterling Glory Clippers. How the Clippers were literally like. I think there was a stat I saw when they made the playoffs back in 06 and won a round. That was the first time they won a playoff round since they were the Buffalo Braves. Like, that's, isn't that crazy? That to me and, is insane. And you think about all the talents that, and, I, and, and of course it's been, I guess, about three or four, or four years now yeah. without Sterling or since three years. Yeah, but, about three years, yeah. Um, you look at the talent that, that that Clippers team has had has had come through there and they still haven't made it out the second round yet. No. Like it's just, it's just crazy. That, that, yeah. But um, that's a whole other story. Yeah, but. Sure, that, but no, and of course, and still in the East, you have uh, Charlotte, now Dwight Howard. And Dwight Howard is just, you know, he's a guy where he's a great talent, but there's just so many things around him that prevent him from being this super elite talent. And now he he, he gets clowned. So I, don't think I, I can't imagine any other player who's clowned more than Dwight. I saw Dwight say he wants to work a three-point shot. And tweets just, just, tweets just laughing at him. Yeah, when, yeah. When a three-pointer. Um, it's like, it's, uh, it, he's kind of like what James Harden was last year. Like you could do a best of, uh, uh, compilation of inside the NBA Mm -hmm. of like Dwight Howard moments where it's kind of like, it's just, it's just like a focus thing. It's just, uh, can you imagine back in 2009 when he took the magic to the NBA finals Mm -hmm. and they were, um, what was he like? Maybe in like his fourth season then. Yeah, about that. Yeah, like just in his early twenties, mm-hmm. had had like at least a great decade. You would think in front of him yeah. was all, was able to take this young Magic team, um, the get get them past a LeBron, the first version of LeBron yes, with the Cavs. Right. Then uh, got them by a Celtics team that was just coming off the championship that year mm-hmm. or the previous year. And I think about that now, and I, I looked at that, that, that dude, 2009 Dwight Howard, and think, man, you know, the next 10 years, this is all his. Yeah. This league, he should just be able to take this by storm. And I, what if, um, nothing since then. It all and, just fell apart. You know, and I mean, he, it's, it, it didn't work in L.A., it didn't really work in Houston, didn't work now in Atlanta. And and now and now like this is a guy who is a perennial in perennially in the MVP conversation. Mm-hmm. Didn't he make the All Star game this year? No, but you know what though, being in Charlotte though, and having Michael Jordan as your owner, that could change things. Michael Jordan getting in his ear may help his game somewhat because Michael's been a guy where for years Michael will come down and practice with the team. Like 
Michael will be on on the floor helping guys out. So you never know. That could change things, possibly. You, you would hope so. I mean, he's still young enough that these could still have, like, a really good four or five years yeah. here. I mean, physically, the guy is just, like, a specimen. Like, I, I still think he might have the best body in the NBA. Like, the, yeah. the shoulders on them. It's true. And the only 740 win a dunk contest. Yeah. Which is still yeah. amazes me because seven-foot guys are not known for their finesse dunking. No. I mean, yeah, he it. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, the athleticism, just like the physical, he, like I say, he's a freak of nature, but um, just ne- has not been able to challenge that or channel that into uh, into great success. No. And I, I think, you know, I hate to say it, I, I never like to judge people that, you know, unless you're around them day to day. Yeah. Who knows? No, but exactly. it, it seems, I, I so I hate to ever call anybody out for lack of effort or lack of focus, mm-hmm. but that's what it seems to come down to for me. Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, personality-wise, I, of course, I can't judge either, but watching his game, like, you do wonder, like, does he care? Is he focused? Is he actually going out there and busting his hump? Yeah, and I, I don't think he is. And and the other example, too, is all these all these teams he's blown through here in the last five, six years, like, he's never lasted more than a couple seasons in one no. stop. So, clearly... There's something... Uh, yeah, somebody somebody's looks at him from the outside. These teams look at him from the outside like we are and say, oh, man, look at this dude. Like, this guy could be fantastic for yeah. us. Once they bring him in there, it seems that they figure out pretty quick and they're quite happy to, to you know, see him off to his next destination. Yeah, and you mentioned the Lakers. I mean, that could have been the greatest what-if what team when you had Kobe, Steve Nash, and Dwight. We don't know what happened there if it worked. Kobe, Steve Nash, Dwight, Paul Gasol was yeah. on that. Uh, uh, made a world peace. It was, yeah. Like, like, yeah, that should have been. That was that was like the super team that never made it mm-hmm. or never never really succeeded. Like, if you look at all the, um, you say it kind of started with Boston, right? Yeah. And then we had, of course, uh, Miami, Golden State, Cleveland. Uh, am I missing somebody here? Um, anyway, but basically, since this kind of started, yeah. That that was also one that should have been a super team. Mm-hmm. Well, they got the eighth seed in the playoffs that year and got knocked out, I think, in four or five games in the first round. Yep. Yeah, and of course, you saw the injuries coming up. You saw Steve Nash just, he couldn't stand up during timeouts. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's, you knew it wasn't going to work out, unfortunately. And then Laker, and Laker fans still are not Steve Nash people. I have, fr- I have friends who are Laker fans, and they call Steve Nash a thief for taking money. But yeah, he, he probably kind of is, in, in a sense. <laughs> I mean,. Uh, you know, uh, hey, who are, yeah, I all even, uh, and as you know, like Steve Nash is basically the hero to me. But yes, um, no, I, I can't, I can't deny it. The guy, he he played, he played a very limited number of games. Hey, but you know, the Lakers gave him that contract, exactly. knowing, knowing, knowing his age, knowing his yeah. his injury history, um, and it, it it just didn't it, it didn't work out. Hey, I uh, so. The, hey, but the Lakers are a whole other story. He's not the only bad uh, or a signing they've made that has not worked out or no. acquisition they've made that has not worked out in recent years. No, exactly. if, if it wasn't for the Knicks, we'd be talking about how things have been so crazy <laughs> with the Lakers last few years. No, it's true. You mentioned Lakers. Great segue because you want to get into the Lakers. And, of course, they do draft Lonzo Ball. And, well, I don't. I, I try to think where to start with the Ball family because when I first, when I first heard about them, and for some on Side Magazine, like, okay, you know, talented kids, and their dad's kind of funny. But then we, we fully saw <laughs> what the family was, more LeVar Ball than anybody else. And LeVar Ball, I don't know, like, I tried to look at my tweeting about LeVar. Like, I thought at first, like, you know, cocky, arrogant. But now I'm seeing his antics 
the market, it, the outrageous, it's working somewhat for his kid. Like, being outrageous is working for his son. They're staying in the news. Like, people are talking about his son and, and the family. And then he goes on, like, he'll go on Monday Night Raw, and LeVar takes his shirt off with The Miz. Like, what is going on? Well, I think I th- it's so funny, too, because, like, you've been, like, people have kind of been, like, saying how, like, this, this dude has the personality of a professional wrestler, right? Yes. And he gets out there, and he actually... From a from a pro wrestling standpoint, he cut a pretty good promo. I thought like he he was he was not out of place uh, there in that environment. But he's like he's an outsized personality. Um, I uh, he's a brilliant marketer. I think like he's a brilliant marketer. Like if you look at it, he yeah I mean you're totally right. He's he's kept his son's name out there. I mean he's taken yeah. what he's taken. Um, you look at the big ball of brand which. Mm-hmm. Like, there's really... Why in the world would anyone want to buy, like, a $450 pair of shoes that, yeah. as far as we know, are being, like, designed by, you know, like, somebody's grade 12 workman class or something, right? Like, like it, there's no... There's none of, like, the science or expertise that, like, you know, the Nikes, the Adidas Under Armour's mm-hmm. have behind it. And they ask him, like, why is it $450? It's just... He just says, well, just because. I mean, it's... You know, he's... He, um, so he's created this whole, it's, it's a brand now. It is. That he's parlayed out of having a kid who was a pretty good college basketball player. Like, he hasn't even had them in pros yet. He's no. built it all out of this. He's put a tremendous amount of, of pressure That's on, what he has, yes. Um, and I don't know if you saw, like, uh, I believe it was Joel Embiid going back and forth, Twitter... Right after the draft, yeah. Um, did you catch that? I saw the exchange. Yeah, uh, yes. Who was it? Uh, Embiid and uh, anyway, you were saying dunk on, like the first time they were basically like making fun of Lonzo and saying, yeah. uh, you know, the first time out there, like I hope you dunk on him, right? Mm-hmm. Going back and forth between players, there. I think there's a resentment already among yeah, other players in the league. Little, to him. That's a bad thing. Yeah, they, yeah, they already put tar- yeah, the target is on Lonzo's back. They're going to come for him. They're going to want to eat him alive when yeah, he steps it on the court. Yeah, yeah, and and by all accounts, like he's a pretty nice kid. Mm-hmm. Um, a good, you know, uh, had was a good uh, leader uh, on that UCLA team. Yeah, uh, very unselfish player. Mm-hmm. You can tell, like he's more about making those around him better than himself. Exactly. Um. So those were all great qualities you'd want coming out of a young man coming out of college, it's right? True. But you know, everyone has like honestly think about it, all the major pro sports. When was the last time someone has come in as a rookie with such a large target on their back, and not just a target, but like a target that's driven by like a general resentment, a, a genuine dislike towards this guy? Uh, maybe Johnny Manziel could say it was the last. Yes, time. that's a great yes. call. And how things turned out for him, right? Yeah, yeah. I, Although I, that's yeah. another role, yeah. Uh, well, you know, I saw Manziel in Toronto. I walked by him. I was at Carabana, and he's in town for it. I walked by him. I was like, oh, Johnny Manziel. And the amount of hanger-ons that were with him, he had a crew of like 10 guys deep. I was, I was like, myself, wow. He's going to go broke in like five years if you keep yeah. these guys around him. Like, I just thought, like, it was, like, it was like a posse walking by him down downtown Toronto. Yeah. Like well, I think the difference <laughs> between him, I mean, yeah, it, 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 he obviously had a lot of, uh, relative to Manziel, mm-hmm. Lonzo's got his head screwed on He straight. does, yes. Like, it, it's, you know, uh, imagine if uh, if LeVar was Johnny Manziel's father. Oh, my god! Pair, pair Johnny Manziel with LeVar's, like, man... <laughs> 
Boy, reality Jeez. show right there. Exactly. Yeah. And you know what's funny is that I'll admit it's fitting that Lonzo's gonna be a Laker because the LeVar Ball show wouldn't work in Portland or Denver or Boston. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's 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 interesting you mentioned that because I've thought the same thing. Like I've thought, uh, I mean, Lonzo uh, LeVar. So we talk so much about the father, I get the names mixed up with Lonzo. It's like, I don't even know. And once we get LaMelo into the yes. equation, it's like, and I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, LeVar, I, I thought, is Magic going to want to draft Lonzo mm-hmm. with all the distraction around this? Oh, like, they're true. obviously trying. They're, you know, they've made some good moves, I think, with the roster there. Yeah. They've, they've made big changes in the front office. Um, obviously kind of a fresh start there for the Lakers. And I'm thinking, like, well, is Magic going to want to draft this kid just because LeVar is saying, well, he'll only play for the Lakers. Yes. Well, what if the Lakers don't really want him? Or what if the Lakers decide it's not worth it to bring the you know that sideshow to town? But then I thought about it, and it's like, well, you know what? L.A.'s kind of like it's... LA's a circus to begin it with is. anyway, right? Absolutely. So it's just <laughs> like it's just kind of like more noise on top of all the noise that is already there. Because you're right. I mean, like, Portland is a perfect example. Minnesota. I mean, you know, any of these cities. Denver, Salt Lake City, right? On and on and on. If he went there, forget about it. Yeah. It's true. And who better to have, you know what? I look at Magic. Magic's seen it all. He's been around Lakers for almost 40 years, you know, as a player, coach, doing everything. You know, he's seen it all. So I don't think he's really that phased by Alonzo and the family. I don't think it phased him too much, to be honest. If, if I'm Lonzo, I really say, I really take that to heart. That shows a lot of confidence in me, like that that, that someone magic who plays my position as a point guard mm-hmm. thinks that highly of me that despite all the noise and, and chaos, for lack of a better term, yeah. that's going on around me, he wants to bring me in and have me be the centerpiece for for the rebuild mm-hmm. of, if not the, you know, signature franchise, one of the, you know, I mean, you could argue whether it's the Lakers or the Celtics, yeah. but one of the greatest teams in really impressional sports. Exactly. Period. I, although I can say Lonzo's shot, though, Lonzo's shot, though, just the way his form, it just, it, it still irks me seeing how he was from the side bringing up. I just think to myself, wow. LeVar must have taught him how to shoot. <laughs> like, I'm just thinking, like, in the pros, like, the reaction time is so quick. How do you get a ball up from your side to shoot in the pros that fast? I agree. And especially, I mean, it's, it's uh, in today's NBA, it's about quick release. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think the thing that he's got going for him is, like I say, he's so good at making those around him better. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a guy that could maybe score eight or nine points in a game and still have a big impact. Sure. Um, by creating for others, uh, I think he thinks and s- thinks the game well. I think he sees. I think his court vision is very good for someone of uh, you know who's only nineteen, and you know we'll see how it translates to the NBA. But I think exactly. he's showing. I think he has great court vision. It, cer- cerebral rise, he's got all the pieces in place. No, he uh, does. So, but you're right. Um, I, he's not going to be. I don't think like the the current. Uh, prototype point guard like Steph Curry, right. Kyrie Irving, who could like just go off for like forty or fifty on any given night. No, it's not his game. Yeah, but of course, going from what, one interesting sideshow to well, not only sideshow, but it's a bit different. I want to I'll take. Or we'll get to some um, quest three on three stuff. We're we'll asking about the big three, the professional three on three basketball league that tipped off last week at Barclays Center. 
eight teams, all made from former NBA players. And, well, playing to 60 points, halftime at 30 points, a lot of injuries. Saw Corey McGettys out, uh, leg fracture. Jason Williams, he's out, injury. You've seen guys get hurt. What do you think about the big three and the fact, you know, it's a great idea, but when you have a bunch of guys who haven't played at a high level in five, six, seven years getting hurt, I saw it coming in my mind. Yeah, I, I honestly wasn't. I honestly didn't see it coming that way. I didn't, you know, and 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 I, maybe the uh, the the guys who were running the league itself didn't necessarily see it coming either. That when you think back on it, it's like, yeah, well, it shouldn't be a surprise that you have someone who is. Um, I mean, how what what's Corey McGinnis now? Probably yeah, a forty now. For, forty, yeah. and and as you mentioned, he hasn't played in like almost a decade. Yeah. Um, to get back into you know a high caliber, and those guys were going hard at they each were. other too, right? I mean, so it was it was competitive. We really shouldn't be surprised that guys are getting hurt because I know they take great care of themselves. Mm-hmm. They look good. They trained hard. I'm sure, but it's different. Game shape is just uh, it's totally different. It and is when you've been out of it for ten years. So, um. Obviously, there's going to be a learning process and some growing pains with this course. league. I think they've done so many great things. They promoted themselves really well. I think they're really well organized. I think I love the whole concept around it. Uh, but yeah, um, I mean, yeah, you're like you say, we're we're one week into this. Look at all the injuries already. There's a lot of weeks to play yet. It's true. I mean, yeah, the, the concept is great. Yeah, yeah. Pro Transfer League, the four point shot, I think, is cool. But, yeah, no, it's a great idea. But yeah, no, I it just. You mentioned like it's tough when you're when you're say a retired guy. You may you may you may go you may go play ball three times a week, but it's different for an actual league where you know it's back. You know one week you're playing get a high level, and, and then two more weeks and three more weeks. It's tough to you know do that again when you've been maybe only playing ball once a week. We've been spending the past six years in a broadcast booth. That's hard. It's not easy to do. For sure, and you and I were talking before we went on the air, like uh, Manny Ginobili, who mm-hmm. is who is the same age of those guys. Yeah. But he's been playing, you know, 70-plus games a year. Exactly. All this entire time in game shape to be able to compete in the NBA. I have no doubt that he could step out there and and just would not be, just by the virtue of the fact that he's had to keep himself in that level of conditioning, he would be a lot less susceptible to injury than, you know, uh, Jason Williams, Corey McGeady, and, and, you know, God forbid who's ever going to get it, because it's going to happen. I mean, someone's probably going to go down again, if not this week, next week. I know, it's funny. You know know who looked to be, like, in the best shape out of all the guys? Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf. He's 48 years old, playing in that league, and looked like he's in best shape. Yeah, you know what? Now (laughs) you mention it, I'm thinking about it, and it's like, yeah. Yeah, that's probably he probably looked as good as anybody out there, didn't he? Which is really hard to figure because, as you mentioned, I mean, not only is he forty eight, but when did he last play NBA? Two thousand, maybe. Yeah, I, I think two thousand two is last actual game. I he went over. I, wow. I know he went over to Asia and played for like three more years in Asia, but I was like oh five oh six. So he played. He played in Japan, I think, in oh six. That's still eleven years away from playing any league basketball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and the other thing, just um, a bit of an aside here, but the other thing to consider that is significant in this fact is that when you get lose a guy on a three on three team, mm-hmm. what are they I think their rosters are they running five deep or four deep? I think it's uh some teams four, some teams five. Some teams four so, so you yeah. lose one guy, you know, like you've lost a quarter of your team. Yeah. Um <laughs> and, and and how many other guys like it's not like there's a great pool of I mean with the whole concept being former NBA players, like I don't know who they could if 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 they suddenly lose five guys and teams have to sign someone just to make sure they have the extra body on the bench, where are they drawing the talent from? The good question. 
Yeah, that's the one thing. Yeah, it's. But one thing I do, I, you know, people are saying that oh, the Leafs should have tape delayed their games. I'll admit, tape delaying the first week isn't that bad. I, I think they may do the whole. They may do the whole first season of tape delay. I mean, that's not too bad. I mean, I I hate tape delayed sports though. But for a trial run, I don't mind doing tape delayed games for, nah. for the season one. I don't mind it. It's totally okay. agree. I think I think it gives them time to make sure they execute the presentation, the yeah. broadcast presentation, the way they want. Um, I think people who want to watch it are going to watch it any good and watch it anyway, whether yeah. they know who won, you know, the day earlier or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, I I think I, I I honestly would, you know, I will still watch it anyway. Yeah, uh, myself, regardless of, of knowing that. So I'm totally with you. I agree with you on that point mm-hmm. for sure. I know, I know the finals are in Vegas. I'm going to go down for the finals in Vegas on August 26th. I'm, good, I'm so curious. I'm going to go down to Vegas. T-Mobile and they, I think, if I'm not mistaken, they will be broadcasting that live. I Is believe that right? so, yes. Yeah. The finals will be on T-Mobile live. So I'm, I'm going to go yeah. down and check it out. Just I want to see that. Oh, yeah, yeah. For sure. Let's hope like half of the guys are still standing by that point, right? It's true. It could be entirely different teams by the time it rolls around. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. But I know the first week the people were saying, you know, the hype was over Alan Iverson um, playing. But he said after week one, he's not going to be playing that much because he's there as a player, as a player coach. He's right. like, he'll be there doing more coaching and playing. And people are kind of upset by that. Some people felt they were deceived because Big 3 Marketing had, you know, AI is back, AI is back. But I don't really, really expect him to be playing a whole ton because he is a player coach. He is doing more of a coaching role than playing. Right. And, and you know, I, they, you're, you're right. They did market around him. But at the same time, it was no secret that from day one he was a player coach. Yeah. And, uh you know, there is lots of exciting dudes to watch in that league. I mean, yeah. beyond AI, there's a lot of guys that I think, uh, so, uh, you know, I, my fingers are crossed for them. I really want, I, I think, I think that can work. I think, uh, I mean, three on three is just exploding right now. There's, there's mm. room for a league like this, whether it's like this or maybe it's in a different form. Uh, like I said, but you know, it's, it's going to be a learning process for, for everyone. And obviously, I mean, I'm sure that they they did not want a situation where guys were getting injured like this after one week. No, of course not. And I think with 3 on 3, of course, I know you're being involved with Quest 3 on 3 basketball tournament with them to Mall. And Canada is becoming a hotbed for 3 on 3 basketball. I mean, actually, it's been a hotbed for decades. We went back to days of NBA Hoop It Up at West Ed. Well, did like, you ever play? I, 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 pl- I didn't play actual team. I played in a, sh- they had a shooting contest back in the day. Okay. They had um, a bump event in 2003. I was playing up against. I was against guys older than me. I was ten years old against guys who were twenty five, thirty, forty. I came in second place. Fantastic, and fantastic. I'm trying to find it somewhere, but online a picture of me on NBA.com. No way. So I, I'm trying to find in the archives on like using Wayback Machine. Picture of me ready to shoot against guys who are. We gotta track me. this down. We gotta like call in all our resources between the two of us. Yeah. I'm sure we got enough connects out there. We can make this happen. We gotta see this. That's pretty cool, yeah, man. No, yeah. Yeah. I think all of us. Um, you know, like I'm in my 30s now. Mm. Um, starting with my generation, we all grew up playing three on three. Like it's interesting. Like my my dad is like huge basketball guy, but yeah. he never. Like, the whole notion of three-on-three is kind of foreign to him. Really? But starting, yeah, like, they just didn't, it's not something they played back then. Like, he did, he's he's still kind of even learning the rules now. Yeah. He started to get into it as a fan, just mm-hmm. watching it. But, like, I think starting with my generation and, you know, carrying on through, through obviously, yourself and yeah. then all the kids coming up now, that's what we did growing up, yeah. right, we, when we played ball. So, I mean, there's, it's just exploding, and it's so exciting to see 
Uh, you talked about how we're kind of in Canada. We, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, uh, one of the teams who will be competing here, Team Saskatoon, is one of the top ranked teams in the world. They have actually finished second at the World Championships before. That's cool. Uh, so yeah, we're we're repping strong here in, in Canada, and I think it's just going to get better. Of course, Mitchell. Of course, yeah. Of course, who wins? Um, they go straight to the Masters tournament in Saskatoon, with chance to play for FIBA title. I mean, and we see now that in the Olympics in twenty twenty. Three on three ball will be an official sport, and I think it's even better the fact that you may not have NBA guys. You're gonna have guys who maybe won't have a chance playing the NBA become stars and compete for a medal in the Olympics. I think Canada has a great chance of meddling in that tournament in 2020. Go great chance of meddling. For sure, Canada basketball's fo- put a lot of uh, focus on building up players within the three on three, spreading it around, making sure that people of all abilities have the chance to play it across the country. And and a lot of that has been because they've kind of banked on the fact it was going to be an Olympic sport yeah. and they'd be ready for it. But it's also, it's a great skill development tool because when, when kids play three on three, they're, you know, you get, you play five on five. It's very easy that someone could be frozen out of the offense. Oh, it's, exactly. very, it's really easy to go missing. And when you go missing offensively, you go missing defensively too, yeah. right? You can just totally take yourself, withdraw yourself from the game. Um, you can't do that on three on three. No, you're forced to. You're, so you're so involved in the play that you're forced to basically do everything. You're forced to shoot. You're forced to handle the rock. You're forced to defend. You're forced to rebound. Um, it, it makes you learn how to think quick because you got to get the ball back out, get it back in. Exactly. You know the, 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 the score. So I mean, it is both um, mentally and just skill wise, it's a tremendous development tool for kids. Exactly. Uh, and so. You know, it's it's just a positive a positive thing in the game in that sense. And uh, to be able to see these people, what what I guess what I'm getting at here is that it also takes different skills, a skill mm-hmm. set to thrive in three on three than it does to thrive in five on five. It's true. Uh, so guys who think that they might be really good, say say you're like a, a fringe NBA player mm-hmm. that you think, okay, well I'm not going to be able to play for my nation's Olympic team, but I can step on the court and play three on three. And, and dominate because, you know, I'm better than these guys who maybe never made it to the NBA, but they've been playing three and three for the last 10 years. And they'll find out pretty quick that's not going to happen. Like the guys that dedicate themselves to play on three, to three on three, play on the professional circuit it's year true. round, they're very good three on three players. And a three on three player is different than a five on five exactly. player. And I think people, as they watch this more, can, will be able to appreciate that. Exactly. Because I think it would be great if you saw, even before 2020, Three on three, not the big three, but like you know, games in Canada, games in Europe on TV, be on TV on say you no know, on an NBC or a CTV somewhere. They'll get more exposure. I think it'd be great for growing the game here. It would be, and I mean, I think it's uh, it's very. I'm not gonna say that I preferred. I mean, well, they're two different animals, five and five and three they and are, three. And yes. I think three on three is very entertaining. And as you were talking about, uh, the broadcast package they're putting together with Big Three, mm-hmm. it's a very TV-friendly sport, I think. Yeah, it is. That yeah. really is. But you mentioned, like, I think three-on-three, three, honestly, like, growing up playing three-on-three three with kids who were always bigger than me, I think it would be a little bit tougher mentally to play three-on-three three ball because it's a, it's, it's a grind from, from the start to the final buzzer. It's a grind, even more so than five-on-five. Five, you, you can't get lost in three-on-three. Three. And you can't take possessions off. Like, no. it, it forces you to be part of the game. And, and it, it's for the betterment of the individual. I think it builds up, uh, it builds up kind of uh, 
We'll call it, uh, Vince McMahon used to call it something fortitude. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, something to that foot. You know what I'm getting yep. at, right? Like, well, it forces, it, it, it just forces you to grow in that way. And that's, and that's, that's positive for kids as players. It's positive for them as just individuals, too, yeah. giving them self-confidence. No, because I remember growing up, I remember playing, uh, I used to with a high school team at Emden Christian all the time when they needed extra bodies to play. And they always made me play with the guys who were six feet tall. And one of the guys we played against was a six foot eight, um, a six foot eight a center who's playing pro volleyball in Sweden. And I would get banged around with these guys. But I knew that it's going to make me better as a player playing with these guys who were 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, while I was 5'5". Five five. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, well, and, and you and me were both short dudes, yeah. right? So, like, I can remember when I would first go to, like, as a young guy trying to get on the court with the bigger kids at, at the YMCA. Yeah. And if we were playing five on five, like, they just went fast to me, right? Yeah. Like, who is this short little kid? Like, I'd have to prove that I, mm-hmm. I belong. Like I say, like, it's just, it's impossible when you're in such a, when you're in the half court space. Yeah. When there's only three guys to a team. No, it's, you can't freeze anyone out of the offense. Like, if you're going to try and go two against their three, Mm -hmm. if you're not going to utilize your third person, you're losing every time. Exactly, exactly. It's so much fun, of course. It'll be at Washington Mall on July 7th and July 8th. 8th and 9th. 8th and 9th, okay. Yes. At the Ice Palace? Uh, I believe now I should know this I'm not 100% okay. it will be inside it might be at the old HMV stage okay location well, uh, check check basketball.ca basketballalberta.ca we're going to have all the information up there the schedules will be up in a couple days uh, the uh, the final uh, teams are being uh, the final qualifiers are this weekend in Vancouver so we'll know all the rosters that are coming in and some of the teams we got across Canada, we got there's ex NCAA players, there's all Canadians out of the U uh, Sports, uh, guys that play pro overseas. Like there's some incredibly talented guys. We got all the top ranked players in Canada. Team Montreal got the top ranked player out of Jamaica. Wow. To come play for with them. So like yeah, I I would just encourage anybody to if you just give it a chance, just watch one game, and they're only 20 minutes for a game, so they go by mm, real quick. Do. You're gonna have your socks knocked off. That is cool. Also, remember, before I let you go, I, I ask you, Brian, who rebuilt first, the Knicks or EA's NBA Live series <laughs> of the video game? <laughs> That's <laughs> the hardest question of the day, man. Well, I thought you could hit me something easy like Timberwolves or 76ers. Who's who's the better rebuilder? Wow, wow. You know what? Anything against the Knicks, I'm picking the other choice. <laughs> wow. Even though EA's had, like, miss after miss with their basketball, with NBA Live. I don't know what happened. Now they lost their mojo with making basketball games. I don't know what happened. I, I don't know what happened either, because, I mean, they were, they are, like, they they are, they're, I can't even think of a better comparison. It's, like, they're they're the originators. Yeah. They're, like, they're the, they're the OGs of yeah. this, of this thing, right? And it's, yeah, but, I mean, I don't know, like, the, it's the Knicks. <laughs> Like, I don't know. I, I, was, I was comparing me live to, like, basketball video games version of Rick and Keel, the pitcher who... Yes, just, there we go. Yes. You know, this, this yes. started out the start of the minors, and out of nowhere, the Cardinals couldn't hit a strike. Couldn't get them on the strike zone. That's NBA Live for the past <laughs> eight, seven uh-huh. or eight years. Is it that is it that long already since they've actually, like, seven or eight years? It probably yeah, is, right? Yeah, I think I remember yeah. they, they made NBA... They started go dropping off of Live 10, and then they changed the name to NBA Elite 11, which never got released. Because it was so glitchy, demo was so bad. They didn't. They scrapped the whole project. Took a year off. Came back and just made bad game after bad game. Wow. But I'm hearing the NBA Live 18. I'm hearing is good. I'm hearing it's okay. But I'll see. I yeah. I guess. I mean, well, 
at least you're hearing that because I'm not hearing the same thing about the Knicks in, in 2018, right? There's no rumor that they're going to be good. Nope. So, oh, yeah. Hey, I hope for the sake of basketball, they're both good. I, I agree. I couldn't agree more. Ryan, do you want to plug anything for social media or anything coming up for you and all in terms of content? You can just uh, you have random tweets about all sorts of things, whether it's, I don't know, the new Jay-Z album or like <laughs> Phoenix Suns observations or uh, occasionally there's some pro for wrestling stuff in there. If that's your jam. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, the usual, but uh, like follow me at Brian Swing. Nice. Awesome. Nice, Brian. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it, man. Hey, great being here, man. Thanks for having me.